Jason, even in Canada, the future will be great, but today is just incredible. Meet Nissan's most advanced lineup. If you can't get enough adrenaline, there's the all-new 400-horsepower Nissan Z. Oh, yeah, and for your off-road adventures, check out the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. That'll be nice in Muskoka. And if you're one of the spontaneous road trip type of person... You need to hop in the Nissan Pathfinder. And for something more electric, there's the stylish Nissan Aria. So, let's enjoy the ride. 2023 Aria and Z are not yet available for purchase. Expected availability this spring for the 23Z and fall for the 23 Aria. How Long Gone, coming to you live from the One Hotel in beautiful Toronto, Ontario. The sun is shining. I might have a concussion. TJ, how are you feeling? I'm feeling mildly dehydrated <laughs> because of my travel, but otherwise, okay. not bad, I guess. I got I got zooted last night off the zooties. Yeah, shout out to my, my dog, Ron, for dropping off the pack for Jason. God damn, bro. We're, you're rich. OG Ron. OG Ron dropped off the damn pack. Jason's rich with, with marijuana products <laughs> in, in, in Canada where it's legal. Yeah, I have way too much marijuana product. Um, if you see me in the streets, I'll have it all on me. That's right. So yeah, since come it's, find since me. It's legal. He keeps it all on him at the same time, just so the mm-hmm. so like the the staff of the hotel doesn't take it. If anybody needs a gummy on the street or anything, just come find me. I'm, I'll be around. Yeah, yeah. So we we flew from L.A. to Toronto uh, yesterday on a plane from 1998, and uh, we we arrived safely. We touched down. Did you just send an email right now, Chris? No. Okay, I just heard an email sending sound. Maybe it was just my slow internet. I think maybe you're just you. You know that I'm about my grind, so it wouldn't be you wouldn't be surprised if I was kind of double dipping while we were doing this intro. I would not be surprised if you were, um, you know, emailing people and texting people while we were interviewing our guests. That's a pretty normal thing for you to do. But yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, look, some guests aren't that aren't that compelling. You know what I mean? We'll find out today with our amazing guest to see how boring he gets. We t- we touched down in the six we, we <laughs> dropped our bags off we went straight to imanishi for some corn yeah we ate some corn i was told by different white canadian people how to eat japanese food so that was always that was always fun and cool uh, i mean but we did have a nice we strolled all the way back from imanishi to the hotel taking in the sights of ossington and queen street all the all the hottest neighborhoods of course <laughs> and and you know got to bed at a, it was beautiful at a reasonable hour i unfortunately was up late enough uh which is a rarity to see uh uh jimmy buffett and florence and the machine perform margaritaville together with jimmy fallon what the fuck that kind of kept me up a little later than i wanted to because i was enraged damn bro you got to stop watching fallon before bed it's kind of it's not bro, good for bro, your well, health and wellness. okay what can i watch can i watch stephen colbert cry about covid <laughs> trevor noah cry about covid <laughs> Or Jimmy Fallon sing some songs. I'm picking Fallon. Damn, this is not boding well for your Fallon fandom. Um, I think that it, we are in a, living in a scenario where you, you don't have to choose one of those three options, unless you know, unless we're in jail or something like that. And you know, I don't know which gang controls the TV on which nights, but. You know, you don't have to watch. You can just fire up Netflix. I watched uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last night. Not available in the U.S., available in Canada. How many times are you going to watch that fucking long-ass movie? That's a one-timer. I've seen it one time in the theaters, and then I guess like 20 minutes of it last night before I passed out. Oh, I for some reason, I thought you had seen it more than that. But I mean, I, I, I like it. It's a movie I could rewatch. But I was awake awoken, because it's a long one, like two hours into it. There's a scene where somebody like I don't want to spoil it, but you know there's of a, course please don't there's please a, there's don't. a scene yeah. featuring violence no in in near a pool and someone somebody was screaming because they had seen some things near a pool and the scream it was just like blood curdling screaming you know just terrible and that's what woke me up at like two in the morning so wow i'm sorry that you were, yeah i i woke up pretty early the zooties were powerful enough to get me back to bed with the quickness though oh did you hit the pack at 2 a.m no 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 i just had enough in my system hard body i see built different dumbass you were zooted up enough um well i i'm glad to hear that you're feeling good you've had some water i hope you had jason brought coffee with him I brought, yeah, I brought Cometeer pods. Which I thought it was an interesting, I, I saw him reaching for his usual, you know, because he thinks he's slick, mixing his gummies in with his vitamins and his little <laughs> Ziploc on the plane. 
I see him. I see him fishing out one of his little rose squares mixed in with his Shout out to Rose Edibles. Men's Daily, Men's Daily, and then I see him pick out another Ziploc, and I'm like, "Bro, what do you? What the fuck is that?" And he's like, "Oh, it's my coffee. Do you want one?" Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, "No, I don't want. I mean, yes, but no. You know what I mean? It's a, <laughs> no. It, I don't know what you mean, Chris. Please explain in, in detail. It's just an interesting. You bringing coffee on the plane is, is is interesting, but I also respect it. Like, I think it's a smart move, but I don't know if I could personally do it myself. Where did you get coffee this morning? Actually, you know, it's so funny, Jason. Is last night we stopped at a local market. That had been gentrified completely. Great selection of quinoa puffs. Twelve different varieties of coffees Mm -hmm. in cans, nitro brewed. They all had milk or sugar in them Mm -hmm. of some kind. Nothing, nothing, just plain old black coffee. To green, to green straw mafia all the way down. And I was able to. I opened the mini bar back at the hotel. Guess who has a black nitro coffee in the mini bar? Timmy's. No, one hotel. I'm saying it was here. It was here for me. So I'm good. I'm good. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. It's wonderful, and I, I appreciate you for kind of, um, kind of, you know, recognizing that uh, that, that that it's wonderful and feeling happy for me that something good happened to me for once. Shut, shut up, bro. Shut up. You, you boring. <laughs> so, what was you said earlier at the top of the show that you you had some type of thing, like an incident? You were you had an injury? Is that what you mentioned? Yeah. So I, I woke up this morning. Th- shout out to my dog Roy in L.A. He hooked me up with a great trainer here, a man named Kevin at a place called Catalyst over in my favorite neighborhood, Yorkville. Of course, there's a <laughs> Chanel store, Balenciaga coming soon. There's a line for Stone Island this morning, a Whole Foods market. There's a line for Stone Island on a Thursday morning? Supreme. Stone oh, Island Supreme. Got it. Got it. Uh, <laughs> but Jason, you'll be happy to know that there is an espresso bar in, in, in Toronto called Zaza. So I, I no. you know, expect that's right. That's right. It predates the terminology being being co-opted. In I had a feeling community. it did. I had a feeling it did. Yeah. But so I'm training with Kevin. I get there. Of course, I'm I'm fasted, but I've had water. I've had coffee. I feel pretty good. I got to stretch in. Mm-hmm. You know, we do a warm up. We're jogging. We're talking. Then Kevin hits me with a little a little program that involves a shitload of assault biking. Mm-hmm. And could you explain what that is for our listeners who are not assaulting? The assault bike is 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 something that you it's powered by your feet and arms, and it blows a fan, and it's very difficult. And and <laughs> even the most fit people. Wow, have, this is the have, worst description of this I've ever heard. In I my mean, life. it's a it's a fucking bike. What do you want me to? Just, how do you want me to describe it? <laughs> it's a fucking bike. If you don't know what that is, you can stop listening. So. <laughs> So I'm doing the I'm doing it. So basically, I'm doing a set of uh, I'm doing the like it's a a lot of people do calorie based stuff on the on the on the bike. So I'm doing seven calories, six calories, five calories. Mm. Then I'm doing uh, a a bicep run. So it's like ten this, ten that, ten that bike, ten, ten, ten bike, ten, ten, ten. And unfortunately, on the on the third session on the bike, I sat down and then I woke up with Kevin being like, "Are you good, bro?" And um, I have a cut on my forehead because i passed out and just slammed my head on the turf okay so the turf being like the the ground that's right i left it all on the floor okay so you hit the assault bike which is a bike that you have to pedal with your own resistance it's very hard to do you got you know like doing it for a minute will get you pretty gassed right Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. you were doing it a bicep sets, so you you'll just crank it, and as soon as you burn seven calories, then you take a break. Is that what you said? Seven calories, then you do six calories, then you do five calories, then you get off, and then you do the biceps. Okay. And then you do get back on the bike, do the same thing, then you get off and do triceps. So he beat you like a nasty motherfucker. He beat he just me and this, you up. And this guy's fucking ripped. As soon as I saw this guy, I'm like, hell yeah, whatever this guy tells me to do, I'm gonna do it. This guy looks <laughs> good as fuck. So he, you saw a big buff guy and his first thing you said when you saw him was hell yeah. Lean buff guy. I said hell yeah. And they told me he was oh, sorry, from, you like him lean. He told me he was from Winnipeg. I was like, this guy got out the fucking mud. Like, let's go. Like, <laughs> let's go. This guy got out the snow, man. I'm ready to get it in. <laughs> got it up out the snow. <laughs> but unfortunately it oh, did <laughs> I did I did have to take a break uh pound my fiji and i was able to finish the set after like a five to six minute break so when you when you so you're on the assault which is a, a stationary seated bicycle how did you did you fall back forward to the left to the right no 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 i got off no no i got off the oh bike. you got, got off, off the, the bike, bike and then you just kind of crumbled got it yeah exactly so look, I I might be I had to call down to to the front desk to get some alcohol wipes uh, for the cut on my forehead. Um, it's the only time you'll use a an alcohol wipe, I'm assuming. I hope we don't. I hope you can't see it from stage tomorrow. Um, but uh, 
We do have we do we do have an after party at Tammy's after the show, eleven PM. Mm-hmm. DJ Them Jeans playing his hits. DJ Them Jeans playing his hit with some of our other friends, uh Jeff and Adam. Uh thank you to Jamal for hosting that. We'll see you guys there. Good luck getting in. The list is closed. <laughs> we're happy to be in Toronto. It's a beautiful day, and we're happy to be podcasting with a with an artist named uh Carson Holler, um, who is kind of an OG legend uh German artist, uh represented by Gagosian. Uh, you've probably seen some of his 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 work over the years. The man loves to install installations. He's an installer. Uh, it's playful. It's entertaining. Um, it's actually great. It's, a, it's interactive. No, it's interactive. But but we we he, we're focused today a little bit just because of Jason's obviously food background. More than a little bit. Karsten is opening a restaurant called Brutal Listen uh, <laughs> in Stockholm. <laughs> That's like the new Kendrick Lamar, Chris. It's a brutal listen. Exactly. Brutal listen. Uh, it's a new restaurant in Stockholm where he lives uh, with a menu inspired by the bold simplicity of brutalism, mm-hmm. which honestly, this is kind of right up my street, but I want to hear more from the man himself. Chris loves brutalist cooking, so this is going to be a fun pod to get into. He's a bit of a foodie. I'll try and keep up. Let's give, uh, let's give Carson a jingle and we'll get, uh, we'll get into it. Yeah, we're loud talkers. I apologize. You know how Americans are. Yeah, I know. You know. You know what? I'm doing a book about games, and um, one of one of like the games are all about materials. So it's a collection of 350 games that you can play without that you need any materials. And one of the games is how to speak like an American. <laughs> please, please tell us what that what that entails. I would love to know what your your thoughts I'm getting are. Getting there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. So the thing is like. In an American bar, everybody speaks in a certain way that the, the sound is going through. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing there with my way of speaking. Nobody hears what I'm saying and I'm shouting and getting, you know, hoarse. It doesn't work. So I found out what it is. You have to bend down the outer edges of your corner of your mouth. So for, for our listeners at home who are listening, oh, they, they're unable so to see the video of this. You kind of look like a, it was like a double fish hook kind of thing where you pull the sides of your mouth down as if you've been hooked you know just try it yourself it's it sounds so much better i mean it goes hello. through the whole room if oh I speak yeah like, there's there's down. there's no yeah. hello there's, hello there's no pesky tongue getting in the way of inhibiting the beautiful sound hello <laughs> i need to ask karsten how did you discover this though did you is this through years of practice and research years of research whenever i go to the u.s I'm looking at people. I have this traumatic experience when I was, I was working as a scientist uh, in 91 in Texas, Texas University. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had a hard time connecting with Americans, mainly because my humor was so different. (laughs) But finally, I got invited to a student party. It took, you know, months, but I was invited. (laughs) So I went there. So you're telling me you had a hard time connecting with college students in Texas? (laughs) I'm shocked, Carson. I'm shocked. I know. That was like a long time ago, but... Um, I realized they don't understand what I'm saying while I was there and they don't get my jokes. So people would just turn around and walk away while I tried to speak to them. And since then, I've been traumatized. I've been looking at how you do it. And um, I still cannot really imitate it, but I think I found somehow the basics of American speaking. A way to project. The, yeah, the main characteristic of the American is we we demand that everyone in the room, wherever we're at, is hearing us clearly. Yeah. It's an amazing phenomenon. You go like even in a, in a European restaurant and there's one table of Americans and you hear everywhere in the whole restaurant what they're saying, but also the whole restaurant has to speak louder in order to make themselves understandable. So I always wondered what is the trick? And the trick, in my opinion... An allegory for modern politics. It's like bending your mouth down. <laughs> I unfortunately, I've actually <laughs> experienced this as as an American in Paris at a restaurant where I was... I think I was treated differently by the staff because of the loudness of my voice. I don't think they wanted me in their establishment because of how loud I was. I would say rightfully so. Yeah, I, I felt I, I wasn't angered by it because I, I, I agree with them that I am too loud in that setting. Mm-hmm. And I don't even drink. But is this something <laughs> that your your mothers or your fathers are teaching you while you're babies? How comes that you all do this so well? We are actually a little bit jealous, <laughs> me especially. Then we have like you know people like like uh, you know like Stalin. He was speaking in a very low voice, and he was attracting the attention of his listeners by speaking slowly 
and a very low voice. This is the other, other way to go. But I prefer the American way and I'm, I'm, I'm still learning and I hope this, this podcast with you will uh, entrain me to do a little bit better. Thank you for car- uh, comparing us Americans to Stalin. This is going to be a great <laughs> podcast so far. Uh, no, 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 no. I compared myself to Stalin, not you. <laughs> ah, okay. I okay, speak just, with the Say what you want about the guy. He was a great public speaker, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, like you win some, you lose some. Yeah. You know what Couple I mean? Couple kooky ideas. I mean, he killed like millions of people. So I don't want to get involved in that discussion, but he had a way of speaking that was the opposite of American way. What else is going on in this book? Like what kind of games are we talking about? Uh, well, it has different categories. So uh, five or six, the, it's games you can play with yourself. All of them have no material. So you don't need a dice. You don't need a piece of paper. You don't need a scissor or anything. Mm-hmm. So category numbers, num- <clears throat> number one is um, that you play the game with yourself. Okay. You play with yourself and with somebody else who doesn't know that you're playing. That's number two. Number three is two people playing, they both know. Number four, I'm not ready. Without consent, that'll get you in trouble. Oh, that's an interesting game. Two people uh, knowing, playing the game and, and with other people who don't know. And then you have more than that. So one, since we spoke about America, one of these games is called The Uncle from America. And that's in category number, uh, let me count, number four. So it's like two people playing with a third person who doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And it's like the two people are meeting another person and um, then uh, are saying, this person doesn't hear very well. You have to speak very loud. And then the other person who's also playing says, yes, he doesn't hear well. Speak very loud. So the person who's coming who doesn't know will also speak very loud in order to make himself <laughs> or herself understandable. So way to... It's a very humiliating game for the for the person who doesn't know that <laughs> in so many of the games. Yeah. They're mean, humiliating. Some of them are impossible to play. Some are actually also a little bit funny. Okay. Yeah, I didn't I, I didn't know this was like a category of gaming. It feels like you're a little bit of an impractical joker and a, a merry pranksman. Is that safe to say, Karsten? It's more like you you know, like there's a first version from nineteen ninety eight, which I have somewhere up there. It's a small book. Can put it in your pocket and then in case of need you take it out and you play some games but now it's going to be a big book okay. it comes out a tushin it's like 700 pages it's like oh, wow. an encyclopedia of games and i think it will be quite amusing to read but not so so easy to play so you you're saying that you did a smaller version of this in the 90s and now you've I have it here. you're doing the expanded you version did a pocket size and now it's time for the anthology. It's called Carsten Höller Spielebuch. It's in German. <laughs> and then it looks like it this. better be in German. So you have pictures. Oh, wow. There's Okay, showing us pictures of, of butts uh, mooning <laughs> us. Yes. <laughs> this one is called... You said this was from the 90s? Uh, yes. 98, I believe it came out. So it's called... This game is called Protest Exhi- Exhibitionism. And it just says, mm-hmm. show your butt alone or several people to protest that's the name that's the description of the game <laughs> that damn i i do like though that these games you know sometimes monopoly can be confusing for someone like me but these games i understand if the game is to show my butt in protest i can follow those instructions it's not elementary it's just simply easy to digest and understand exactly. for, for all people it's a very clear message but then there are other games that I, i'm telling you they're completely uh, impossible to understand so it has something for everybody and they all come with an image and sometimes the image as in oh, this okay. case is explicit you show you show your butt and you see some butts in the outside of the window <laughs> of a car but sometimes the image is also like you don't know what it does to help you to understand the game so it's a collection of photographs and games that have been collecting over the years. I mean, I like that you're able to just contact a publisher and tell them this is what you want to do, and they're like, "Yeah, okay, sounds good. Here's a bunch of money. Let's let's get it done." That's the power. That's the power of an established artist. Yes, it's it's actually quite easy. You're right. Um, <laughs> so whatever I want to do, people say, "Yeah, let's do it." <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So does that does that make you maybe arrogant? Does that make you overconfident because nobody you just you got the magic touch? Everyone says yes to you, or are you still a humbled man? Do do I come across as being arrogant, or how 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 do I? What kind of impression mm, do I make? I mean, not no. <laughs> Not yet. Oh, no, you're, you're, I wouldn't call you modest, but I don't think you're an like you're not an arrogant asshole kind of guy. I don't think so. You just got a little swag to you. Yeah, I have my my sides, of course. But um, no, it's like <laughs> it's it's actually now I'm working on a new project. So I've just been to uh, the MIT in Boston, and uh, we worked there with dream scientists who study the nature of dreams, and it starts with sleep research that's you know interesting but dreams have been always for science such a no-no because it's such a flaky matter but the project that we want to do and this is like when you go just go out and ask for money to do it you would see this will be difficult because what you want to do is to make a dream hotel you want to make seven rooms that you can book and um, one room on the one side will be like strictly science one room on the left side will be strictly art and then some other rooms in between. So um, for a project like this, I don't know where we find the money. You know, this is a difficult thing because it's not really an art project. <laughs> it's not really a science project. People will say, well, you know, what shall we do with it? Sometimes I'm pushing it to the extremes. With the book, it was rather easy because we know this book will sell. But this, this, this dream hotel, as we call it, uh, will be a very good, uh, very difficult thing to to put uh, to put in place. So you're trying to get some like scientific grants, and they're like, "Hey, you know, we got COVID nineteen going on. You know, I don't know if the hotel where we have funny fun dreams is really at the top of our priority list. Is it kind of like that? Yeah, it's also like because like dreams, are, like you know, what are dreams? Dreams, dreams are like you know, they we want to we want to what we want to achieve is like both from an artistic and a, a scientific perspective to understand dreams a little bit better, but also to give them a direction while you sleep so that you can dream in a certain way oh. and that you can record your dreams better when you wake up. So not that they just go away the moment you wake up and that you possibly can translate them into something physical, like an image or something mm. that you can see or a film that is recorded while you dream. Using that makes... some artificial and intelligence or something yes okay well these kind of things hopefully your research will be able to solve the problem where my girlfriend wakes up and wants to tell me her dream and nobody cares except for the person who is having that dream is that a phenomenon you're exactly. familiar with exactly <laughs> We've exactly. been speaking about that. So you're basically going to fix that yeah. problem. You're going to fix that it's problem. It's a very good point. I spoke with all the scientists about that. Like, why is it so boring to hear other people talking about their dreams? It's not one of the most boring things in the world. You don't want to hear it. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it it's, really is. I, I even called it like, it's, it's terrible. I call it active boredom. It's not a <laughs> passive boredom when you have nothing to do. It's actually boring. You really don't want this. And the reason for this is, in my opinion, that dreams are some kind of excrements. They're like excrements of the mind. Mm -hmm. And you feel like repulsed by them. And the repulsion is not that they smell badly or something, but they're extremely boring. So that keeps you away from it because they're infectious in some way. You don't want to deal with other people's dreams, really. But <laughs> you want to control your own dreams because for yourself, they're very interesting. Absolutely. So we started with a toothpaste, actually, that we made where you we can you can brush your teeth with uh, four different toothpaste and they contain different ingredients and you can mix them in such a way that you dream like a woman or like a child or like a man and you know all mixed up Damn, what you got a toothpaste that does that yes yes i'm going to send you some it, it's really amazing it works you go to bed and you give your dreams a direction so that is quite fantastic. that's amazing well i i enjoy using marijuana and one of the one of the downsides or upsides, depending on who you ask, is you kind of don't really have dreams if you if you smoke exactly. smoke beforehand, and then if you don't smoke, then like constipation of the mind, you know, weeks of excrement dreams start pouring out the one time you don't smoke weed, and it can be a little alarming. So it's true. It's important to take breaks and stay regular. Yeah, but it's it's there's some some things like uh, like marijuana, like cannabis, and also lavender. It's like dream killers. Mm -hmm. But then if you if you kill your dreams for a while, of course, then they come out 
you know, like there's a lot coming at the same time. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty good. So if you want to dream really heavily, you just smoke pot for, for a week or two, and then you stop and then you see what happens. Say less, King. I'm already there. Can I ask? Can I ask how you record your dreams? Do you you scribble down? Do you do a voice note? Do you do like a drawing? What is your preferred method of of capturing capturing what you can remember when you wake up? And when I wake up and I think about the dreams I just had, I just ask myself one question, which is, was this interesting or not? And in almost hundred percent of the cases, I say it was just crap. It was really excrement of the mind. <laughs> so I say forget it. But while I was uh, in um, working with my science colleague, Adam Ha, uh, at the MIT there, we did a very interesting experiment. I hope he hears <laughs> us. We took galantamine in the middle of the night. So we woke up, we put our alarm clock, take two pills of galantamine, four milligram. And then the story starts to be a completely different one because you suddenly dream lucid, or at least partly lucid. You're aware that you're dreaming. And you remember the dreams so much better. I still remember the dreams from that night today. And that's like, that was like oh. 10 days ago. So it's, um, there are ways to keep them if you want. But, you know, even these dreams were not very interesting. <laughs> so what is that drug called again? It's called galantamine. It's in Europe. It's forbidden, of course. In the US, it's not. It's, uh, it's, it's a drug that you use for people who have dementia. Mm -hmm. So it's, so it's prescription drug. It's not over the counter. I think you can buy it over the counter. Oh, sick. Okay. Well, J okay. Jason's going to try that tonight. Yeah. What happens if you snort it, Karsten? Does that change any <laughs> of the effects? <laughs> I didn't go so far. You call yourself a scientist. Okay. No, well, you know, like you have to focus on the research. You can't do everything. He had work He had work to do. Well, what do you, as a scientist, how do you approach drug use? I mean, I don't know if you're still doing it, but uh, when you were younger, were you... Do you look at it scientifically or you, can you detach and just have fun? I think if, like, I don't know any artist who hasn't done any drugs. I, I really, I'm not aware of it. Um, there's a famous story of this artist called Alighiero Bretti and he had some visitors, some young students. Um, this, this Arte Povo artist from Italy must have been in the 60s or 70s or 80s. Um, because he's dead now. And he just asked him, so, you know, do you want the joint? They said, no, no, we don't smoke. Do you want the whiskey? No, no, we don't drink alcohol. Then he, after a while, he got like annoyed. He said, so what, what are you taking? You know, you cannot be artist if you don't take anything. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I'm not a big drug user nowadays, but I have certainly tried some things and they have been influential mm -hmm. because they give you some kind of reference point to how different everything could be. Jason likes everything to be different every day, I guess, with his intake. It's a little, his approach is maximal, I would say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not, not maximal enough to overdose, though. That's, you got to be careful. What is, so I hate the city of Boston. How do you feel about it? I really say it's in, in public like this. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, okay, there's, there's Boston and there's Cambridge, which I didn't have, you know, I didn't understand that really before I came there, but this is like completely different towns. Yeah. How can I say? I would say the general feeling is that it is not a very entertaining place. There's not so much going on. You have these enormous universities That's with true. these campuses and you have badly dressed students walking around all looking miserable because they have to, I don't know, go to an examination or learn a lot. So there's not a lot of happiness in these places. <laughs> the food also, I have to say, even though we tried, was not very good. Um, <clears throat> even so bad at some places that I said, guys, you can't cook food like this. It's not okay. Give it back to the kitchen. We do that in Europe. <laughs> Apparently in the US, you don't say things like that because it, it caused like a yeah, and people didn't like me very much for that. No. But I had to say it. <laughs> also being a restaurateur myself now. So I don't know. I, I, I think this, the idea is probably that since it is a boring place, it is not so much happening. It's not so entertaining as, say, many other places in the U.S. It's very good for research, for work, these kind of things. And there's a general feeling of you want to work. You want to get work done. Your excitement lies in the work. You can't be, you know, going to fantastic music venues every evening because then you forget about your work. So these people are extremely productive in terms mm -hmm. of science, and there's a reason for it. Because their life is miserable? <laughs> I, yeah, I used to have to go there all the time 
for business myself and I just could never crack the egg. And then I think that the point is there's no egg to crack. It's not, it's just, it's just fine. You know, you know what I mean? Um, but I, I like, it's funny you talk about that because Jason actually gave some commentary to our waiter last night about this octopus being too salty. And he was told that it was meant to be too salty. I mean, these French fries I gave back, they were not meant to be called French fries. They were meant to be called like an oily mess. That's disaster. <laughs> yeah, so you were you were mentioning that the that the American restaurateur chef did not like it when you sent something back. If some uh, American came to your brutalist restaurant and sent something back, how would you respond to that? That's a very good question because I've been thinking about this. What do you do with people who say, you know, like uh, um, I want it to be like this, or I, 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 I'm not taking it the way that how you propose it. So there was one famous chef. Unfortunately, I forgot who it was, but it might have been Dan Barber, who had uh, people like that sitting in the restaurant and. All he did was that he said, okay, you know, he cannot, he said like, you know, if you don't like, you can go home. But they, they wanted this in a certain way. And he just said, okay, and he didn't serve them anything. They were just sitting there. Every, everybody else got their food. They were complaining, when is my food coming? Yeah, it's coming soon, don't worry. No and way. they were sitting there. They, they never got anything. Dan Barber's too cucked to do something that cool, but I, I think that is a very cool thing. Maybe it wasn't him. It's a little extreme, if you ask me. Yeah, but in the end, they got also a bill, which I think is completely, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's the coolest part. To the end. Yeah, that's the coolest yes. part. It's, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's a tough question to pose because you're kind of saying, like, my opinion and my taste is better than yours. No, mine is better than yours. I'm right. You're wrong. A lot of restaurants, or like not a lot of them, but some of them have to kind of fix the problem before it arises by kind of judging who comes in through the doors and who doesn't and being, you know, is this person going to get it? Is this person going to, you know, protest? Are they going to show their nude ass at this menu? <laughs> Will it not even be worth it? Is that is that something that you've considered, like screening your guests? Yeah, but I think, you know, the trick is that they know they're coming to a place where they get something new, mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, they, we, we're not food like making food like, like another place. Yeah. So you, then you can't say, oh, but I want it to be like in the other place because then you just, you're just in the wrong place. So they're, they're not, so, um, so far the reactions have been extremely positive. I'm surprised that there's been nobody saying like, I don't like this. I want to go somewhere else mm -hmm. because I, I was expecting it. <laughs> How long has the restaurant been open? Are we, uh, today is day number five. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. shit. So it's, it's, we're in the infant stages of this whole thing. Absolutely. At a very like uh, fetal stage, I would say, <laughs> just after insemination. <laughs> then there's something strange about people wanting to open restaurants. You know, like almost every second person that you know wants to open a restaurant. Why is that? It's absolutely, I don't get it. For me, it's also like an enigma. <laughs> It's extremely work incentive. The the chances that you're getting money out of it is is almost uh, you know one of the highest failure rates of any business in the world. Yes, but there's something psychological about it that you want to give food to other people who trust you well enough to eat the food that you give them because it could as well be poison. And <laughs> you know, there's there's a magic in there that we haven't really understood, but. Um, it's it's a phenomenon to see how people want to open this. Also in Stockholm, it's like crazy how many places open all the time. And and also if you're if this restaurant fails, you can just say it was an art project, right? Yeah. No, I'm I'm sure it'll do quite well. Well, we I want to talk about the brutalist kitchen manifesto that we were talking about before. Uh, in in case our listeners are not familiar with it, it's basically kind of a, a bullet point list of about a dozen. Sentences that that sum up your your ideology for this brutalist cooking. I'll, I'm just going to run down it. The brutalist kitchen is a dogma kitchen where certain rules apply. So there is a higher power that says this is this is so, and that person is you. I'm assuming. Are you the god in this dogmatic kitchen? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, the Brutalist Kitchen is tied <laughs> in reference to Brutalist architecture, renowned for its linear and blockish appearance. Mm -hmm. The main rule is the following ingredients are used alone for a certain dish. Only water and salt may be added. And then the more orthodox version is no ingredients can be added whatsoever. Kind of like eating 
a raw oyster or something like that. Is that right? Right. Okay. So, so salt and water only. Does that mean you're doing a lot of boiling or are, are we allowed to cook with oil or butter or anything like that? Mayonnaise, perhaps? No, mayonnaise is total no-no. That's uh, the enemy number one. That you really Yeah, my use. man. No, fuck no, mayonnaise. No, no, no. No. Fuck mayonnaise. Really, really fuck mayonnaise. Exactly. <laughs> I, that, that's, that's probably the reason why I did this is because I hate mayonnaise so much. Uh, it's not my man. I, I don't hate it as such because it can be good for certain dishes, but it's not okay to put it on everything. In every kitchen I go in, I see them, they have these big triangular plastic bags with a tiny hole at the end. It is spraying like, I don't know what, in between <laughs> tiles of piles of different ingredients that they put on the plate. That's how cooking is nowadays, everywhere. So this is, this is more specifically in, in like Swedish kitchens, I'm assuming? No, 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 no. That's like for, it's actually all over the world. It takes different forms. And then, you know, some some cuisines, let's say like Thai cuisine, for instance, is per definition anti-brutalist, but it do, doesn't use mayonnaise and <laughs> it can be extremely delicious. So I'm not saying, you know. <laughs> okay, so Thai, Thai food gets a pass because they are delicious and, and anti-mayonnaise. What do you think about people? Well, what if, would, you, would you eat a dish that had mayonnaise in it if you didn't know it was in there and you couldn't see it? Or you could you tell? Could you sniff it like a truffle dog? It's it's everywhere. Like you know, like it's 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 like it's it's a, it's, it's a it's a mass hysteria. I don't know what how to call it. It's like crack cocaine. Yeah. it's infected our streets and communities. It's in the drinking water. You know, it's like it's it's, it's unavoidable. <laughs> okay. So I've noticed that there's a common trait of person where they avoid all white creamy substances in terms of food eating mayonnaise ranch dressing you know thing things like that any type of white creamy sauce yogurts sour creams things like that are you one of those people or is it only mayonnaise no i didn't know that there was people like that so no it's it's really to be against mayonnaise was one reason to write this manifesto but the main idea (laughs) is still another one which is like you you wrote a few points there's 13 of them but actually there's one main point the main point is you cook one ingredient by itself and you only add water and salt or not even that and that means that you have to think about uh, you know what to do with this ingredient because if you have a chicken for instance it's an easy thing because a chicken has everything a chicken is grease and you can make a, a sauce if you want from the intestines and you can make crispy things with it and you can you know do it in very different ways and put it together again. So that's what we normally do is that we take the different parts of an ingredient, cook them in different ways and put it together again on a plate. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but then there's other things like usually uh, speak about salad, which is tricky because if you have a salad, what do you do with it? There's no olive oil allowed. You can eat, so, uh, you can add salt and water, but that doesn't really help you. <laughs> so you need to find a way to, get around this. And the, the, the way around it is to either you take the seeds from the salad and you make oil out, out of it, or you take, for instance, the roots, which is very bitter, and you put like the zest of the roots. That could be an idea. Oh. You can take the leaves and you can ferment them and use the fermented substance as a kind of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. as a dressing. And, and, and then it gets very interesting because suddenly you get new tastes that you never had before. And they're all about the ingredient because you want, when you find a good ingredient, you don't want to mess it up with, with other things. I think it's, you know, it's, it's generally a mistake to think that you must have something else to go with it. That you must alter something to put your stamp on it. If, you, if the ingredient is good enough, do the least amount as possible to it. But then you, you get to show your personality with the plating or lack thereof, I'm assuming. Yes, uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I don't want to come across as a missionary, really, because I think like all the other cuisines are fine, too. I just think it's so interesting <laughs> that in, in, in cooking, you can still do new things and very simple ideas. This is a super simple idea. You, It's based on a dogma. I use the word dogma because it refers to the Danish guys when it was this like 20 years ago or so, when they, when they said like, you know, Lars von Trier and Thomas Winterberg and these people, when they said like, oh, 
Now we do like dogma films, which means that you cannot use artificial light anymore. You cannot use a tripod anymore. And they had a set of rules like this and they made some amazing films. They were absolutely stunning. So I thought, interesting idea. Why don't we do this in kitchen to apply some rules, in this case, ingredient only, and, and see where we get. And I think the results uh, are absolutely stunning. So mm-hmm. the interesting thing is that it's still easy to make a discovery or even like a, like a movement, if you want to call it like this, in cuisine, because there there's, has been so much happening, but only in the last 20 years, as compared to art, where I originally come from, where I think to make a movement that's basically impossible nowadays. Restricting and removing and adding <clears throat> adding more rules to simplify it, and then new things will kind of pop up, moving moving in reverse versus moving forward. Kind yeah, of. Yeah, if you think about like that's kind of the only way to go in the world of food, where it seems as if everything has already been done before. No, 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 no. In, in food, not there's a lot to do. Like you know, think about like nose to tail eating, or like the 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 idea that you get your ingredients from 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 very close to where the places where you serve them or like molecular cuisine, mm-hmm. all these things, they're very, very new ideas. They're, they're not even 20 years old. Right, right. Things are happening there now, you know, true. at this moment when you speak. And in art, the big movements that has been like the last one was maybe, I was maybe part of it like in the 90s or something nowadays, it's just a big carousel or something that doesn't produce anything like this anymore. So as an artist, when you think like you want to make something new and you want to, you know, find a, you know, a way of dealing with what surrounds us in, in a specific way that has to do with this artistic input that you can give, then I think kitchen is very, you know, cuisine is a very good field to work in. One of the items in your manifesto says, we are born as brutalist eaters, as mother's milk is essentially brutalist. So have you started to explore with the consumption of human breast milk on your menus or is that out of the question? No, I would love to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. Let me get a titty. uh, (laughs) Nowadays, (laughs) it shouldn't be such a problem. (laughs) Have Have you tasted human breast milk recently? Like, I have two children, so I, I took the occasion when there was some, but since then, not, no. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, you can you can buy it, and um, we're thinking of putting it on the menu and see um, see what people say. Oh, yeah. Great minds think alike. I like this. I think you should put it on the menu. I think it's. I think it would ruffle some feathers in a good way. Yes. Even though you, you Europeans are a little looser with it, I think people would still, you know, get to clucking. Speaking of feathers and clucking... What's your relationship with birds? I, uh, did I read that you do you keep a lot of birds in the house, my friend? Yes, I keep a lot of birds, but uh, I'm actually like even watching like a video right now. So it's like a, a bird that is in one of my cages. You got a you got a nanny cam for one of your birds? I have a nanny cam for my birds because <laughs> they can't disturb it. And you have a, a wife and kids? <laughs> They're not here. They're just the birds. Okay. Okay. <laughs> They don't talk to daddy anymore. <laughs> Not when he's talking okay, to his okay, birds. Okay, so we have the nanny cam for the bird. What is this bird's name that is being monitored as we speak? It is called uh, a snowy crowned robin oh. chat. And have you given him a name yourself? No, I have. I have. I don't do that. I have too okay. many. I can, I can How many birds are we looking at? What are we looking at? How, I, let's get a number. You don't want to know, Chris. You don't want to know. No, I live in an apartment. So before I was living outside of the city, I had like like a hundred or so. But now it's just thirty five. <laughs> hold, hold on, hold on, Carson. Carson, hold on. You got thirty five birds in the apartment, and we are. We're not talking about women. Roughly, I need to count, <laughs> but. Some, some yeah, we're not talking about women, just to be clear. We're talking about birds that fly. Exactly. They <laughs> fly. I have like two rooms just for the birds. Um, and I'm breeding Well, they them. would fly if you didn't keep them in a cage. <laughs> yeah. So do you, what is your relationship? I mean, obviously beyond the, the pet owner relationship, but does this, is this something you've been passionate about for years? And it's just, it's gotten to this point. And a follow-up question. What's it smelling like in that apartment, my friend? It's a good, this, the follow-up question is, is a problem. I have to admit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, He's like, that question is not funny, actually. No, it's like, <laughs> no. It's a, it, <laughs> I have all kind of, you know, air cleaners and so it smells a bit in my apartment but Mm -hmm. i have also a professional bird feeder he comes every day 
he cleans it so it's okay i mean oh, okay okay we smell you know dog smell cats smell especially bad yes. i think as a cat mm-hmm. i'm sure you have a, a connection to byredo you know since they're local you got all the candles burning yeah yeah ben is a friend of mine and uh I need like the same thing like with my headphones, like noise reduction, smell reduction. That would be- <laughs> so you're you're pushing Ben to make a smell reduction candle versus addition. That's a good. I like where your head's at. <laughs> yes, exactly. Now we've been actually working on this toothpaste together that I spoke about before. So uh, he's a, he's a close friend, but it's not so bad with the smell. It's okay. Um, I'm sure you get used to it. It's it's more like what I like about about the birds the most is the, the sound. That's you know, mm. you, if you come to my apartment and the birds are singing, it's it's fantastic. It's like a you know, it's like an orchestra. I not I'm not even directing it because they do they do their own thing, but mm-hmm. they sing in slots. And then I have like very good singers. It's a collection of very good singers that I greet <laughs> from mainly Africa and uh, some European birds cool. too. You know, I don't want to I don't want to get into your nefarious activities. But how do you how are you obtaining these birds? <laughs> Next question. <laughs> I just don't know the market. You know what I mean? I don't think this is something that you, you know, I, I just don't know how this works. I want to learn. No, no, no. It's, it's a good question. Like, you ever had a, a guy from Madagascar with a bunch of birds <laughs> duct taped to his dick? Something it's like, like that? You know, I don't get them from the wild because it's forbidden. But there's other breeders. And then, okay, okay. But mm-hmm. sometimes it's a bit Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I understand. I've I've paid cash for things too. I get how it goes. Yeah, you look the other way. You know, turn the other beak. I want to eat at the restaurant. I have a couple friends that have moved there. Um, okay, one so of which are you coming. I want to come this summer. I mean, I feel the summer's the nicest, right? Yeah, it is. But we need to plan this carefully because we're going to close in the summer um, for the reason that the Swedish people they all go into some kind of collective coma, which starts. <laughs> Like at the beginning of July and ends in the beginning of August. What do you mean collective? Nobody co- there anymore. Everybody's like they they have all like a little country house. Everybody, yeah, yeah. Uh, often without electricity, toilet outside. I don't know why they like this so much, but everybody's gone. Even the police, the thieves, everybody. There's police? nobody left. <laughs> police is gone. That's the perfect time for me to come. Everybody is on holiday. Oh, it's Joe Strummer. It's the, that's their way of doing it. They work hard. They suffer because of the weather. Then the weather gets fine, and they switch off completely. It's I've never seen anything like this. When you go on holiday, where are we going? Where's your number one Ibiza? <laughs> <laughs> why do you say Ibiza? I'm going there tomorrow. But it's only my second time. Funny that you say that. Because they have some nice, nice, nice grooves. You said you liked African music. I'm sure they have some uh, bongo, balearic house happening over there. <laughs> I hope. A couple I buttons of your shirt get, go down as the night falls. Yeah, that shirt. That shirt's losing two buttons in Ibiza. I'm telling you that right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, I don't think that's the right style. I'm really thinking of what to what to wear because it's like a. I've been invited to come. There's like a new hotel <laughs> opening, and they they bring me there as a kind of guest of honor. So it's very nice of them. What which hotel is it? Sixth Sense. And you're like, what am I gonna wear? Exactly. Do you have to speak or anything? You just have to be there and have a good time. I have to be there and have a good time, and then I'm going to meet a few people. But there's nothing public in that sense. Nothing to be recorded. Chris, what do you think he should be wearing out there? Lueve Resort. Yeah, we need you in some. We need you in some Lueve. Uh, I think would be great for you. Who does your shopping? I'm, yeah, who does your shopping? Are you, are you hitting the shops yourself, or do you have somebody that kind of handles that for you? Certainly not. No, I do it myself. But I I I, I support a few brands, and they support me. Let's put it like that. And so, <laughs> <laughs> my man, man, you sound like ASAP Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> So are these so these are brands you have relationships with? Uh, I I have similar relationships uh, where there are brands that like me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're probably not quite as expensive as the ones that like you. <laughs> Mine are very expensive. <laughs> this motherfucker. Okay, so you got the Prada plug. I can't take that to Ibiza. Okay. <laughs> You're saying you can't you can't take the custom suiting to to Ibiza. That would be yes. that would be just wrong. So maybe. I mean, do you wear shorts? You don't strike me as a shorts guy. I love shorts. I have very nice legs. Yeah, my man. You have nice legs. Are you a runner, a cyclist? I was a runner and it kind of stayed. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Mm -hmm. 
you you do you do give me a runner vibe. I have to say, were you doing like marathons or like what are we talking about? Yeah, I was doing like long distance running. I never made a marathon, but I was like basically as a boy, I was running, running, running. I was admiring people who could do that, so I was I was doing that. But I stopped. I don't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. What are you doing now? For what are you doing for exercise? You can't just think all the time. I don't do anything. I I don't exercise. He's German. He doesn't have to exercise. No, here comes. You don't no, do anything. No, here comes. This. I do like gymnastics in the morning, five minutes for my back. But that's it. And here comes the thing. It's about what you eat, not how you exercise. That's the main thing. If you eat brutalist, you're going to be in great shape. <laughs> no, it's true. There, that's look. You've turned me. It's true. Yeah, no, it, that all that all tracks. I think exercise for a lot of us is for the mental, though. You know what I mean? I mean, so like, that, think about the, it. You go to these places; they're so ugly. They smell bad. You spoke about <laughs> the smell in my apartment. Go to a gym, and then you you make a choice because it smells. It's a very good point. My place. It's a very good point. <laughs> and then you have like all these people doing like ridiculous movements, like all day long. I I no, I can't. I think it's like it's this. I understand some people have to do it. But you can solve a big part of the problem by eating okay. better. But I think that this is an opportunity for us to maybe the three of us to revolutionize the way the gym looks. I think this is an opportunity. Yes. You did the restaurant. Now it's time to do a gym with us. I think we could kind of we're not bringing a lot of financial capital to the table, but we have a lot of knowledge in the space. And I feel like you got the bread. So let's I think we could make this happen. I think it's a very good idea. You know, they have in these gyms where they try to because it's also like a waste of energy, not, not just in the sense that I spoke about before, but also because all the energy that is produced yes. just goes nowhere. So there are some gyms now that mm, try turn that to, into some Bitcoin. I see where it heads at. Yeah, we incorporate the energy. So we think should think about that. That's a good idea, actually. I would love to make energy. I'll get those guys at MIT on it. You can call call them and let them know that I'm going to be getting in touch. I call them after our talk. I call them right away. <laughs> Carson, we, we were talking about kind of materials and textiles earlier. Uh, a couple episodes ago, we had a, a famous rapper on as our guest, and I asked him to rank his top three favorite prescription pills to take recreationally. You said you don't really have a drug use um background so could you rank your top three favorite surfaces do you get horny for stainless steel Mm -hmm. smooth cement chunky cement you know let's get into some some surfaces and textiles what did the rapper say i'm curious because i know (laughs) that in america you know there's a different culture Mm -hmm. uh, which is basically based on three pills i don't know am i supposed to name them percocet is number one right jason what else yeah it was percocet uh, MDMA oh. and Xanax. Xanax. Xanax is Xanax. very good. <clears throat> Xanax I like a lot too. <laughs> Xanax is very good. I agree, Carson. Yes, it is. Well put. Well stated. This right to so the like, point. Hopefully, you have a little uh, two milligram for that little flight over over to Ibiza tomorrow. Perfect for a plane. Yes, I know. It's like uh, it's a dangerous drug, but it it works because it's it's you know for people who are not anxiolytic, I think you call it like this, who are not plagued by by too much angst. Anxiety? Anxiety. If you take it, it's just a wonderful sleeping pill. It makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. There are some downsides, though. Yes, like a headache, if you take too much of it. Headache, um, that's not a downside. I'm, I'm talking about waking up in a different county. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm more talking, getting the sweats and maybe shitting yourself as you get off of them, as you wean off, you know what I mean? Depending Falling on how asleep while driving a car, things like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it gets a lot. Little- recommended. okay so Uh, yeah i mean what are your top three so are we going stone are we going stainless travertine what are we looking at wood you wood guy what's going on i really like ideas that's my main thing i'm not you know materials if somebody says to me make an artwork in stainless steel i would say that i I wouldn't know what to do but if somebody Mm -hmm. says uh why don't we yeah you know like what you said before let's think about the gym how could that be done in a different way then things are starting to happen. Mm-hmm. So there's a few idea topics that I like most. Um, that makes sense. So one of them <clears throat> being doubts, which I, I've been working on a lot and which I find uh, a fascinating topic. You said doubt? Doubt. Doubts are such, like at okay. the opposite of certainty. Okay. Do you want me to elaborate on this? No, I just wanted to make sure you were saying the right word that I was understanding. Okay. <laughs> doubt, I find very interesting. Fun, I also find very interesting. Fun. Let's go. Fun in the sense because, you know, like I, I'm saying like we can live without fun. We don't need fun. A life without fun is perfectly possible. So why 
do we, you know, are guided by fun to such an extent? Why is fun such an important part of our life? What is going on there? Is this something which is maybe another entity, like say, like a parasite, for instance, that has taken possession of mm. us and is proliferating in the way how we treat it when we travel to Ibiza tomorrow, for instance? I don't think this has been very well explained. Philosophers, for instance, have kept their hand out of the question because fun is kind of, you know, it's an intangible thing, a slimy mm -hmm. uh, matter that you cannot get a grip of, really, like a little bit like the dreams for the scientists. So doubts and fun, I think, are very of or entertainment as such, if if not like directly goal oriented, like say having sex or things like that. Why do we need to have fun? It doesn't make so much sense to me. I think it's a very interesting question that hasn't been asked very much. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess my a follow-up question to that, how do you make brutalism fun? By reducing the amount of noise that you experience while eating and uh, by doing so, creating a certain focus and a possibility to get out something that you wouldn't get out otherwise, which is the taste of an ingredient. And as we all know, to eat good food is very good fun. <laughs> I agree with that. And so you 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 mentioned eating it in an, uh, an environment that is quiet. Do you play music in your restaurant or is it a controlled soundtrack created by, you know, an ambient music artist or something like that? I've been thinking about this, and uh, the result is that we don't play music in in the restaurant. It's probably the only one in Stockholm, at least the only one I know. Mm -hmm. So there's no music <clears throat> until the kitchen closes, and then we also change the lightning system because we have this big Dan Flavin work. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't know if you're familiar with this. Yeah. Wow, what definitely. a flex. You got you got a Flavin in the restaurant? Yeah, we got a big Flavin Go in the off. restaurant. Like it's, uh, it's like five of these gigantic, gigantic uh, fluorescent tubes, two are pink, uh, two are yellow, and one is green, and that's like lighting up the whole restaurant, so people look a little bit sick in there, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay during the daytime because there's light coming in, uh -huh. but then when it gets dark, it's getting a bit too much, so at some point, and especially when the kitchen is closing, we switch off the flavin, we put on LEDs that are following like the contours of the windows and the architecture in general. Mm. And we put on music because then <clears throat> people can actually enjoy themselves in a different way. Okay. And so, so Chris personally has a problem with restaurants here in, in America, Los Angeles, where you'll have kind of like a fine dining restaurant, maybe an Italian spot or something like that. And they'll be playing kind of very loud hip hop music mm. because they think it's a, a juxtaposition that is just never ending fun. But it's a little tired now. So, are you? What kind of music are you guys playing? Is it a little Todd Terjier, something like that? We haven't really figured out yet what you know. Like because, as I said, we are at the very beginning. But I have some very nice Congolese playlists that are <clears throat> older stuff to the 70s maybe, then we have okay. newer things. But we're working also like, you know, the, the, we, I, we, I actually like very much this one uh, app which is called Radio Garden where you can go in a radio station somewhere in the world and you say like, okay, so today, I don't know, we go to Cali in Colombia and find a good radio station there and we just play that. And it's wonderful. It's live, you know. There's a no, deep, it's very cool. It's happening right now. And then you don't have a need to have a playlist necessarily. Mm -hmm. So we can do it a bit on the mood, but it's still the ideas when you eat, no music, because I find it just often very distractive and it makes people speak even louder. You can't focus on the food, you can't speak to the other person you want to speak to. So no music. I'm with you. I you know, I have an idea though. I think maybe we should put some like field recording style microphones in the restaurant, record service you know, just the, the ambient sounds and then put that out on vinyl. Yes. You know, I think we I think we could get some purchasers there. I think that would be a nice brand building. The sexual clanking of silverware. The light chatter, you know what I mean? The 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 shuffling of the staff. I think it could be kind of meditative. Yes. Do you want that for the podcast or shall do you you mean I should play that in the restaurant? No, I'm saying I think you should you should package it and release it for sale. Yes. So that people could people could listen 
to brutal listen at home. Yeah. You know what I mean? When they want that effect. <laughs> like, let's say Jason's cooking dinner for me. Obviously, we're not really staffed up like that. But we want that. We want the feeling of the restaurant. COVID. We put we put Brutalisten on the hi-fi, and all of a sudden we're transported to Stockholm, and the experience of the restaurant is is happening right there at home in L.A. So I can I can have the experience of being in the restaurant, but also have the ability to eat lots of mayo with impunity. <laughs> so much mayonnaise is going in, and you are it's and it's it's naughty, and frankly, it's sexual. Yeah, and it can even be mouthwatering because you know, like it's a but it's it's a kind of thing that will not be very it will come across as very arty you know there's artists they made like uh, a vinyl that is called rain that's right uh katarina fridge and then when you what you hear is rain it's actually very nice that's where my head's at so i think like that record. what i'll do then from on my side is we'll get this done and then i'll also kind of for a, a video component for me i can have it playing and then have jason eating mayonnaise kind of slowly to the music and then kind of send that over mm-hmm. to you and see if you want to add a layer to it. To the mayonnaise eating? This is like a lot of slurping and slurping like this? It'll, it'll be mayonnaise yeah. five ways, kind of omakase style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just not to I just I just want you to maybe experience mayonnaise eating through the eyes of someone who truly loves it. Let me show you my mayonnaise. Yeah, because I hate it too. I know you're from the home of mayonnaise, but you know, it's time to take a second look at that beautiful <laughs> creamy substance. I hate it too, Karsten. Trust me, it's something we fight about a lot on this sh- on this program. But <laughs> it's, I, I think it's a big topic. It's, it's, you know, people don't know how much it influences their lives. We have to put this really more on the menu. I to, love this. I to, mean, I, yeah, I know. And I think that, I think the silent restaurant is something that I, I feel like I might not notice it. You know what I mean? When I enter and maybe when I'm seated, but then maybe throughout the meal, I start to realize that I'm more relaxed and the conversation is easier. Mm-hmm. And that is, and that is very cool to me. That I don't think it would jump out, but as I go through the meal, it would gradually kind of reveal itself to me, and I would have to realize why I'm having a better time, and the conversation is mm, easier. Evolve from the subconscious to the conscious over the course of your meal. Exactly. Exactly. Beautiful. Yeah, but in terms of taste experience, if I if, don't get me started on mayonnaise, but you know, mayonnaise <laughs> is it is some kind of enhancer in the first place. It's a bit like a replacement of the old cream sauce. Because cream sauce is, you know, totally passé. Nobody's doing it anymore. So you have mayonnaise nowadays in different forms. But what it does is that maybe it, you know, it brings out the taste in, 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 in a more palatable way, but it takes out the edges, all the little spikes and different things and, you know, like mm-hmm. what makes the subtlety of a certain food. Mm-hmm. It goes away when you put mayonnaise to it. It just makes it into a big clumsy mess. And, you know, that, that's not the idea. That's why we do brutalist, because we want to go into something, not try to hide something. You want, you want your French fry to taste like a potato, not like eggs and oil. So the ultimate mayonnaise dish for me is a very perverse dish. I grew up in Brussels, and in Brussels we have a lot of French fries, as you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have these free trees. And then in the free trees they sell something which is called a mitraillette. So that's a long, like a baguette uh, bread mm-hmm. that you slice up in the middle, you fill it with French fries and a lot of mayonnaise, and you eat that. That I do sometimes because it's extreme, and then mayonnaise makes sense. You know that goes so much over the top. That's fucked up. <laughs> it is. I'm starting to see what kind of guy you really are, and it's twisted in there. I'm assuming you eat this sandwich in the nude. <laughs> is it nude? Of course. I mean, you're like you, you have to throw your clothes away afterwards. So I. Wow. <laughs> You have to throw your clothes away, dead ass. That you really do. That's I. I, I am aware of that sandwich, uh, and it is very twisted. But I also think there's a little bit of a, you know, nostalgia element for you. Obviously, if you grew up eating that and uh, it's it's part of your life at a young age, then going back to it is a nice warm hug. Mm-hmm. Yes, but you know, I also like these extremes. I like this mitrailletas, the opposite of. Of a brutalist kitchen. I also live in Sweden and I have a house in Ghana and West Africa, which I, you know, from my experience, I think are, you know, the most opposite places that you can think. I really think it's, it's, you know, as a life model, if I may say, <clears throat> a good idea to avoid all the middle ground and just go for the extremes. And then you, find something damn that's mm. that's good advice honestly that's really good advice i think a lot of our world is middling and that's the stuff that often comes to the surface unfortunately yeah mayonnaise is middling so you know it's like the perfect metaphor for <laughs> that's it. right it's if you think method mayonnaise not just as a kind of food item but like 
how life is in general and what people say. It's mayonnaise all over the place. Wow, shit. <laughs> mayonnaise as a metaphor. Uh, Karsten. Just a, a sheen coat covering everything, <laughs> taking out all the edges and excitement. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You've, given me a, you've given us a lot to think about, Karsten. It's been a, a treat talking to it's you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. We really appreciate you joining us. And, um, Same here. We'll, we'll come check you. When we're in Stockholm, we'll come check you out, get a smell of those birds, have a bite at the restaurant. I'm dying to come try this restaurant, my friend. We'll be out there as soon as possible. Let's make sure you're coming when you're not close when they're all in coma. So come either before or after. They're, they're back in August. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we'll let you know. We'll let you. We'll be in touch. We want. We obviously want the full VIP treatment, of course. We will get red carpet. That's 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 what I want to hear. Thank you, uh, Karsten, thank you, thank you for joining us, and uh, good luck with everything. Have fun in Ibiza. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Adore